0: This week on Boots and Backstraps, we've got Dave Miller in studio talking everything from big Minnesota bucks to a 735-pound bear.
1: Brought to you by Homes by Shane and produced by Danny Geo Productions.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Boots and
2: Backstraps podcast. Come on now.
0: Honey is on, looking for backstraps, way deep in the woods. Tracking in a swamp to a hay field, under the harvest moon. When the tags are filled, it's time to switch up our boots. Head down to the honky-tonk, get us a swing dance or two. We're talking about boots and backstraps.
2: Hey everybody, this is a show where we talk all things hunting and country music. From the classics through today. From big bucks to bull elk, we've got it all. Come on now.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Boots and Backstraps. I'm your host Shane Michael and I'm joined as always by my co-host, country music legend and one of the most handsome men on the planet, Tom (laughs) Cat. Did you say
2: handsome? Well, at one point in your life, you How were. How much did you uh, have already? I haven't had any. <laughs> it's good to see you, Shane. Yeah, it's going it's to see gonna you. be a fun show tonight. I am.
0: Uh, I have to tell you, I'm super excited. You know, we've had a, a lot of guests on that we mutually know. This is the first time when we have a guest that I have just meeting tonight. with yeah. someone that you've got several decades of experience. Several
2: in. decades, you know, absolutely. Um, my oldest friend. My yeah. oldest friend in the whole world.
0: He said you were his... Uh, oldest son his adopted
2: son (laughs) yeah well he's kind of a jackass when it gets right down to it (laughs) he he likes to claim that he taught me everything and you know quite frankly he did teach me a lot about hunting and not not nothing about fishing because i don't fish but he he's uh actually one of the most well-rounded sportsmen that i've ever known yeah when it comes to hunting anything and everything and fishing anything and everything he does it all and does it well and made quite a name for himself. Uh, well, I've talked
0: to him for about 10 minutes and, and have already gotten a real good glimpse of that. Yeah. The guy knows what he's talking about. So I'm excited to, to hear you guys talk about your experiences and certainly to maybe get some insight from him while we're in studio tonight.
2: Boy, I'll tell you what. We've had to some pick up amazing, amazing hunting experiences together. And uh, just in general life experiences. We partied our brains out. Some of what we you can young. talk
0: about, some of what you can't, on this podcast.
2: <laughs> a lot of which we can't. This is PG thirteen. It's a <laughs> <Yes>, PG <PG-13> thirteen <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. It's all good. We didn't grow up probably any different than you know a couple of good buddies growing up. You know, you know, we we're a little bit crazy, but uh, we had a lot of fun hunting though. That's for sure, and we're not done. Well, we're going to
0: hear a lot about that tonight, but before we get to the stories and the exchanges and all the fun stuff and an
2: introduction for our guest, we need some whiskey. Come on, now. Come on, now. As you may or may not know, Jack Daniels is one of our sponsors. Well, they will be, hopefully, somewhere Yeah, down the road. And uh, I'm going to try and do the tonight's show. For those of you that have been watching the show, I've been wearing some rather dark glasses, and I'm going to try and do the whole show tonight without. I recently had eye surgery of a real rare eye condition and the lights are really really bright and that's why I've been wearing those. It's probably want... no
0: surprise to anyone in the studio, including our guests, that you have a very rare eye condition. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just get something normal, TK. <laughs> I
2: know, man, it's crazy. But anyway I didn't want people to think that I'm just trying to be cool. I just I have a reason for wearing those glasses. Yeah. But uh thank let's you. Let's get a Joe. toast.
0: Yeah, let's get a toast here to break in the night. Cheers to you. you! Cheers to you, and sir! Here's
2: that country music and hunting. Yeah, living the American dream. <sighs> oh, yes, I like that. <laughs> I'm never going to get tired of it. By the way,
0: yeah, the no. whiskey just can't. Oh no. well, let's with no further ado, TK. If you can do the honors of uh, bringing our guest in,
2: ladies and gentlemen, this is my oldest friend and one of the most well round hunters you'll ever meet. This is Dave Miller. And if you're just sitting at home, give him a hand. Yeah, Dave Miller, hand. welcome to Boots and <laughs> Axe Wraps, Dave. He's got a you very lot of uh, a lot Thank of you. nicknames. We call him Driller, Moose Miller. He shot a moose before any of us did. You the know, Moose
0: Miller thing makes sense because he's a very big <laughs> human being. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's a big dude. I'm a little large, yes. You can't tell by the by the couch with the with the shot, right? But uh, yeah, you're
2: a big boy. What are you? Six six, six four six four. Mm. How old was Pappy? How old was he? How how tall was he? He was six four. Yeah, I thought you yep. guys were about the same yep. size. Yep. We'll be talking about a lot of our old friends today. Uh, we used to have a pretty tight-knit uh, hunting group. Yes, we did. I mean, yep. we certainly have We'd still do. other hunting friends. Uh, yeah, but I guess what I mean is uh, some of them have passed, but uh, Dave Miller and I and a guy named Tom Bliziecki. Yeah. <laughs> Does that sound Polish? That sounded Polish <laughs> to me. You should uh, know. Uh, Tom DeRay that owns <laughs> the Hog's Breath. We've had a few words about the Hogs Breath and uh, St. Paul here and there, and then uh, we have uh, an old friend, Pappy, yep. who's no longer with us. His name was uh, Paul Wolf. Paul Wolf. He was a great hunter. We have some photos of him uh, that we'll show you a little bit later, and then we have the Reels. Elk Whisper. What's that? The Elk whisperer. The Elk whisperer, Robin. Robin. And yeah, that's funny. We call him that. Robin Michlevich. Michlevich. Yeah, another <laughs> Irish name. <laughs> Speaking of Irish, I got my green St. Patrick's Day boots on today. Um, We call Robin the elk whisperer, and he's anything but an elk whisperer. He's the most aggressive elk hunter on the planet, and he's going to be joining us here in a week or two. And uh, he's very aggressive, but he's got monster bulls all over his walls to, to prove his success and his technique. There's a lot of people that would say, well, he's too loud, he's too aggressive i'm like i hunt with him a lot and every year he kills big bulls he does So whatever he's doing must be working so yeah
0: well dave now that tom has uh monopolized a little bit of the show here That's let's fine.
3: get
4: to, <laughs> <Yeah>. let's <laughs> he hear to. your he, side he's always of the... <laughs> been
0: good at talking <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, he's, he's gotten paid a lot of money over his lifetime <laughs> yes, to uh, to do just that but i'm real curious to know how you two met so why don't we start there
3: well a long time ago yeah
0: Back when Hunt was Can in I black interrupt. and white? <laughs> yeah. Quite a Don't while ago. Don't ask us too
2: many old questions because yeah. our memories aren't quite what they used yeah. to be. <laughs> I actually met Tom. That's what Lynn's for. That's I what Lynn's for. I actually
3: met yeah. Tom by dating his sister. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it was...
2: Quite a long the, dating the figure sp-
3: skater yes yep. it was okay. yep All rosemary yeah. Rosie,
2: yep, Rosie was a figure skater, yep. Dave was a hockey player, yeah, yeah. played yeah. hockey and uh
0: defense, obviously
2: uh, I was actually a goaltender he covered up the whole goal oh. I was a goaltender, <laughs> yeah, I would imagine you would
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, played in the state tournament two years for Alexander Ramsey, but anyhow we uh i that's how I met Tom, and uh yeah he 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 was always a talker, you know, and uh, yeah. He didn't have a dad when I met him. His father had already passed away. Right? Yep. And so I'm taking Rosie out on one of the dates, and he's standing in the door like a big man. (laughs) He's a year and a half older than me,
0: and probably 125 (laughs) pounds at that
3: point. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And he says, Just remember, you don't do anything. You keep your hands off her. (laughs) I wouldn't do anything. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. I said, Don't worry. That's (laughs) That's that I yeah, don't <laughs> I
2: don't know if I worded it quite <laughs> like that. That's a pretty small that left, list. It, that left the door <laughs>
0: wide
4: open. <Yeah. laughs> oh lord.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but that's no, how we met. And, yeah. Uh he was dating my sister and him and his dad uh took me grouse hunting. I think that's the first time we hunted together. Yep. He had a dad that was funny. He was a french guy. Wayne. Yeah, Wayne he was, Miller. He
3: was 5 foot 9.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
3: your dad was. My dad was five foot nine. I'm six four. See, so but like, put Miracle Grow in your oatmeal or something. I don't no, know I what think it, was. it was. The mailman. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no. No, His dad was so funny. Yeah. He, uh, but we we hunted. You know, my dad took me even before I could hunt with him all the time, and uh, I learned a lot from him. And as time went on, we. Uh, Got Tom involved in it, and Tom says to me, can I go hunting with you guys? I said, well, have you ever done it? He says, nope.
2: I says, yep, yeah, you can come with.
3: I didn't know if I should give him a gun the first time out, but we did. Well, at that point, uh, yeah, I, had hun-
2: I had pheasant hunted once yeah, that's with my true. father.
3: Yeah, that's true, yep. But we went grouse hunting, and uh, we went up to a wildlife management area up by Mille Lacs, and yep. uh, my gosh, we just had a ball. Um, back when there was a lot of grouse, I mean, I... We we shot uh, our limits within yeah. three four hours. Oh yeah! Wow! And we're back home almost by noon. Here's a reference. Yeah, there's <laughs> a picture of them. I mean, we Look were pretty young back then. <laughs>
4: um,
2: There's one duck in there, Dave. So who's Remember in, that? Yeah. Who's in this picture then?
3: Well, that's myself on the left in the Ken Yackel hockey jersey. Okay. And uh, Tom sitting next to the dog.
0: That's TK. Yes, yeah.
3: Tomcat. Look at you. Yep. And then uh, that was my little nephew there was kind of watching what was going on.
2: Who's now twice as big as both of us.
3: Yeah, yeah. So, but that was one of our first trips ever. And uh, we continued to grow
2: from there. Yeah, Yeah, we shot a lot of grouse and it was so much fun. Yeah,
3: and pheasant hunting. um,
2: Pheasant hunted quite a bit in Iowa, quite a bit in Minnesota. I had a neighbor when when my father passed who used to take me down to Farmington pheasant hunting. So that's really how I got into hunting, and I'd carry a twenty-two because I was pretty young. But I actually shot a pheasant with my twenty-two that was running on the ground. He stopped behind a clump. He got just ahead of it, and I shot him. I was kind of surprised. First animal I ever shot. Um, but uh, from there, and that's when my dad was failing. Anyway, we did go once, and I shot a couple of pheasants with him. But then. I really got introduced to hunting with Dave and uh, his dad Wayne. God rest his soul. He always used to call me a dumb Pollock <laughs>
4: <laughs> Well, shoe fit where right <laughs> yeah, that's right that's right. <laughs> he was funny yeah I know uh,
3: I, and the first first deer hunting that I believe that you went on yep. was with you guys my grandfather, my mom's dad, yep. always made school buses into campers, and so it's pretty smart he, he he would go up and set up camp. Grandpa would set up camp in Wisconsin, and Tom and I and my dad drive up, and he we get in this bus, and it's just great. I mean, back then, we had an old fuel oil oh. stove. <clears throat> and, of course, Tom and I were at the age where we could get out a little bit, so we go out, and we come back, and what's Tom do? He leaves the door open on the bus, and it's about 10 below. So the old school. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute,
0: wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is where Tom leaving the door open started? Yeah. <laughs> because he still does that now. It's so, the so dead of winter. He's walking yeah. out of the studio leaving that door hanging oh, open. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: So, anyhow, we, uh, we get our butts chewed by my dad because he's sleeping next to the stove and he's darn on fire because the stove is red hot and it's freezing in the back of the bus.
4: <laughs> that was
3: just starters. And, you know, it, was, it was all learning experiences as time went on. I know he didn't do it again um we and we just continued on hunting and uh we had a great season that year um aunts our, and uncles that our... and, and that was back during a family deal yeah it was my grandfather my aunts my uncles and tom was there and it was just a family or deal he's a member of the
0: family at that point Yeah,
3: he was and it was just a a big family thing back then um that was what happened in Wisconsin. They oh, actually yeah. they closed schools so people could go, the kids and everybody could go hunting for nine days. Wow! Their season's over Thanksgiving week, and I they,
2: wish they still did that. Well, they they do in Wisconsin.
3: I don't know if they close the schools. Oh, anymore, I don't know if they close the school, but those families, the families are The, the still kids doing that are away
2: to school yes. and they come back home for the second weekend of uh, deer hunting in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, it's the classic deal. Uh, in wisconsin they still the families get together and they hunt that second weekend certainly some of them hunt the first weekend yeah. but what was so cool about that trip david I, vi- I vividly remember it it was typically it was just i should say totally the classic hunt i mean it was david his father and me but it was all his uncles and there was like nine of them yep <laughs> and and grandpa and the grandfather and yep. they're all in his bus and <clears throat> They handed me a glass of milk one morning, and I said, "I don't know. I'm not sure, but this one might." They're all dairy farmers, you know. It's just the way it used to be. A lot of dairy farmers in Wisconsin. So they handed me a glass of milk, and I said, "I'm not sure, but I think this one might be a little spoiled, because the cream was on top." And they said, "You got to <laughs> stir that, you dummy." It was the cream, you know. It was raw milk from the cow. Yeah. Got it right out of the. Milk and tank. I stirred it up, and right boy, up that was farm. a great glass of yeah. milk. And yeah, it was a real learning experience for me because. Uh, I didn't know anything about anything, and uh, I can I, I do remember that we got 11 bucks. Yep. I was the only one that didn't shoot a buck. Yep. I had an old World War II rifle, thirty out 6 Springfield. Oh, this is this something you buck. had, or you guys loaned it to him? No, no I had
3: it. He had it. it. Was I don't know if it was his father's or who it was. No, I
2: bought it, and I don't remember where I yeah, bought okay. it from. Yep. But at any rate, one of your uncles shot two bucks, so we filled out we all had a deer we all had a buck that was a pretty cool deal
4: yeah
2: i mean those are great, great that would memories. be an amazing
0: experience in learning how to field dress them and yeah you know skin them and yeah. i'm sure you did all your own process yeah. we did there we, we go did. there's some
2: uh yeah.
3: that's there's some outlaws the, that's, uh, that's a different group of guys who's that, of that
0: handsome time. devil on the far right there
3: Oh, you're talking this deer over here in the corner? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm talking about the one with the Zuba pants the Zuba, on. Are those Zuba yeah, pants? I'm talking about... <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, that's Dave, Wolf's. is that you? That Which, in the green? Yeah. Yeah, that's me. That's back when I had hair. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's myself, Dave, and that's Wheels, and a guy named Paul Wolf that we call Pappy. And, uh, well, that's the Iron Buck right there.
0: That is the Iron Buck. That was. That nice. is a monster. That was Wait, 19, do you see, uh, 1991. We have a... Ninety-one, you said? Ninety-one, yeah.
2: That picture was taken in Dave's driveway. 30 years ago now. In Lionel Lakes. And that picture, well, we took a bunch of pictures. The picture that Dave took of Pappy uh, with that Iron Buck was featured on several magazines. And, Danny, if you've got the one with the uh, whitetail magazine. What did that
0: score? Do you remember? 198. Jeez. It was – Oh, here you go.
2: Yeah, That's uh, the same driveway, and that Dave took that picture, and uh, was look at that deer.
3: I think it, it grossed 198, and that was 192-something.
2: No, I think, I'm sorry, I guess I'm not going to say. But it was, it was
3: uh, the largest deer shot in Minnesota that year. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yep.
2: That's amazing. Such character. Yeah,
3: we called him the Iron
2: Buck. Yeah, it's all in that story.
3: Well, I can hardly tell it because I was always on the drives or got didn't ever get to see the deer in the live. Um, I was around when people told me they saw it.
2: By the way, but... folks, he's lying. <laughs>
3: but, jeez, <laughs> look at the rack on that yeah. deer. I never really, uh, got a shot at it. I know that my buddy TK over there got a couple whacks at him.
2: Uh, One. A um, gun jammed.
3: Yeah. And, and we, we had, got a shot we, at and it. And his scope fell off. No. Uh, off his rifle. Yep. And, uh, I mean, it was just weird, uh. The day that Pappy got that buck...
0: Uh, so this buck had nine
3: lives like a oh, cat. <laughs> it had been winged. It had been wounded by us. I mean, we called it the iron buck because nobody could kill it. That's why it <laughs> got its name. Yeah. Nobody could harvest that deer. It was just unbelievable. So where did he cross a
2: field in front of me that David walked through a woods, and I pulled up on him and forgot to lead him. He's flying at 90 yards, but then my second shot, I pulled ahead of him and clicked. Like, are you kidding me?
3: Yeah, it was gonna jammed.
2: That's yep. isn't that the way it goes? Yep.
0: But so where did where did he end, uh, end up harvesting? Uh, shooting him, harvesting them? When or
3: where? Where? Well, in in on the property uh, that we owned up there. Um, this is in Lino. No, this is up in Thief River no. Falls. Oh, okay. I oh. was like Lino Lakes. No, up there, Newfold and Thief okay. River Falls area, um, which is just about Canada. <laughs> yeah, just about yes. Um, but it was so strange because. Paul or Pappy, as we called him, he really didn't want to go hunting that year. And we kind of got with the r- rifles and we said, Come on, buddy, you got to come up, man. You're just too much fun to stay home. Yeah. And he said, finally agreed to come up and he said, Well, I don't have any place to go. I said, Well, I tell you, I says, You know where my stand is? He goes, Yeah. He says, Why don't you just go there? And I, he said, Well, where are you going to go? I said, I'll go across the street and sit with my son. Sure. And he to across the road and sit with my son, and he goes, well, all right, so he goes up there. And I saw the deer run into our woods, but I never could get a shot at it, and I knew that it was running right to Paul, and sure enough, bang, and that was it. And I'm just hoping that that was the deer that he shot, because he said he was going to sh- take anything he could. Yeah. And there was a lot of deer filtering there. Um. Anyhow, he uh, he got that deer, and uh, that was a day of celebration. Boy, yeah. was it ever. Here's the yeah. shot again.
2: He'd taken his coat and put it over the head, and he said, nah, I just got a little one. So we all walked down to the river bottom where it fell dead, and uh, we were all down there, and he pulled the coat off it, and we're like, holy <laughs> moly. Yeah, yeah we sure. couldn't believe it. <clears throat> and
3: it was a big-bodied deer. I don't know, it weighed... Over 200, of course, and it was, yeah. uh, and we had to drag it up this big steep hill. It was, it was, and snow, deep was snow, fun. of course. That was back in the days when we got a lot of snow during, during deer hunting. Yeah. And uh, it was just, yeah, it was it, it was all fun. Even though it was work, it was still fun. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah. well, we didn't, uh, we can't complain too much. We stayed in some pretty nice places up north and uh, yep. Yep. never had uh certainly wasn't mountain. it's was all flat country. But then you get down in the river coolies and stuff. We've had a pretty nice up there, but we've worked hard, no doubt.
0: And it sounds like you have sort of continued this tradition of hunting not just deer together, but you've expanded to some other species from what I'm oh, gathered. Oh absolutely. Yes.
2: Yep. We've uh we've
0: antelope hunted, bear hunted, elk. elk hunted. Look at this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Dave Miller and
2: Burt Reynolds. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a Marlboro hat? <laughs> it is. Look at that! All <laughs> be darned, yeah. it is. Yeah, There's a couple of bears underneath us. Yeah, yeah, there.
3: That was some of the first ones we ever got. Yeah, it is.
2: Yeah, yep. I think between Dave and I, uh, my last count, and I really don't count. I actually guided a couple of guys bear hunting now, but I think but we got well over fifty bears between us. And Dave has shot. Dave and his son. Dave shot a yeah. seven hundred and
3: Seven thirty-five,
2: seven hundred and thirty-five pound bear. I saw
3: a photo. Did we have a picture. It's unbelievable. Of that? Um, I think we do have picture. Yeah, Danny. Do people. we have
0: that yeah, picture? 735 Here
2: we go. Seven hundred and thirty-five. I mean, I
0: just seen it now in that in that big screen, Dave. I'm yep. like, speechless. that looks like
2: the hillside.
3: Yeah, that's the that's the it is the hillside, <laughs> and that is the three. Look we, at that. we got those three that night, and these three bears. Mine is the big one on the left. That was seven thirty-five. The one in the middle was three sixty, and the one on the end was three twenty. Wow! All very, very.
2: Big well, anyone bears, that knows yeah. anything about bear hunt knows yeah. that a three hundred pound yeah. excuse me three hundred pound bear is a big bear. Big bear, yep. Big bear, big bear. It's hard yeah. to even imagine a seven hundred and some pound bear.
3: Yeah, that the big that big bear, uh, the seven thirty five. We there he is again. We have seen That's him. incredible. I had seen him so many times. I what's what's laying on the ground there in front of him? That is a bottle of scent that we use from bear scent. I knew good stuff. Used to know the gentleman that manufactured it, and uh, he was—I was on his pro staff for a while and stuff. And he gave me things like that, Um, so I put the bottle there just to show things that I was using it.
2: Um, I'm sure he appreciated that.
3: And we still use it today. Um, I still have a bunch of it left over, and uh, I still use it. It works, so we've always used it.
0: Can you? Can we just like maybe? pump the brakes a little into this section because I'm super curious as a guy that's an amateur bear hunter. I've been on one whole bear hunt. We went to Montana this last fall Uh and did not have much luck. But um, me being on my first bear hunt in Montana there, I was by far the most experienced bear hunter of the four of us. (laughs) So so it it was a bad deal. So can you just maybe talk a second about if somebody like me is interested in bear hunting, what's what's the process look like how do you how do you generate obviously the continued success that you've both had
3: in hunting bears it's it's not as easy as it used to be we used to be, we i bait them we bait them here in Minnesota and Wisconsin uh, Wisconsin also runs hounds but you bait the bear and everybody thinks baiting bear is so simple. All you need to do is put a bunch of garbage in the woods and a bear will come. Right. Well, that's not, not so.
4: that's
0: really not. You mean it's not problem. like it is on outdoor TV, Dave? That's <laughs> not that easy. Okay. No. Okay.
3: No. Um, you, uh, and we used to be able to get all of the product that we used, um, for free because You're they couldn't, right? they couldn't get rid of it. Oh, So hostess was, uh, a customer of mine through my business that I have. And, uh, they would allow us to back up pickups and fill up Twinkies, cupcakes, um, all kinds of things. I would, Bread, I everything. hope to never, ever, ever see another Twinkie.
4: <laughs> I would imagine. You're now your that, now the house. hostess
3: is gone. But uh, I've opened up many single individual ones, and everything had to be unwrapped. You cannot throw it out there in a package. Bread yes. has to be out of a wrapper. Yes. It's all to keep the bait clean, yes. and it's very it's necessary
0: you'd think it Time would be consuming. harmful for
3: them to eat that plastic or that cardboard or whatever yeah. you know and s- some areas like you went out to let you just say montana montana yeah. yes montana i don't believe you can bait no nope, that's can't. a spot in stock um i've done that too um it's, it's interesting. It's very difficult. Yes. More difficult than a baiting, but baiting so is... that's baiting. like
1: literally stalking them? Like you see them and you stalk them? Yes, you do. Yep, yeah, it when is. When you start, when you start, <laughs> that sounds when you, <laughs> you stalk up on them
3: and you sneak up on them and get as close as you can.
0: Well, especially because Montana's grizzly country. Well, yeah. So every guy yeah. in our group had a sidearm and a rifle oh, yeah. and yeah. bear spray. Yeah.
3: And yeah. <laughs> You're going to do that now, especially Montana's <laughs> got what, quite a few more grizzlies. I almost believe now that they actually opened a season for grizzlies in montana this year or last year okay so because they're getting quite a few numbers out there
0: yeah we Um, didn't see any luckily yeah
3: well that's a good thing right yeah i i've never i've never hunted grizzlies but uh i think a couple times either when i was out bear hunting or elk hunting i think they've hunted me a little bit (laughs) um don't care for that right Um, um but uh yeah, so the baiting part of it's difficult now. It's you, you have to buy more bait now. It gets more expensive, obviously. Yeah. Um, but Tom and I have a little bit of a different thought on baiting. I believe in putting out as much bait as possible. Sure. As much as I can get out there. I've put thousands of pounds of bait at one time and come back the next day, and you can't tell it was baited. Wow. That, there was Wrecking that many bears. They just totally ate it all. Um, Tom, he liked to put a little less bait, so the bears kept coming back and checking it more. I My theory was get them big and fat.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> and it kind of worked. And then quite often, the, that's tempered by the fact that bait became harder to find. It did. And it you did. wanted to continue baiting, so yep. I, I totally... Uh...
3: And there was certain times of the, when you're doing that that you want to... Not put as much out when the natural food is there. Right. Uh, A bear will leave a bait, not leave it, but won't eat as much maybe when the acorns are falling. Mm -hmm. Or you got cherry trees, you got your uh, butternuts, they got all that. They'll take a natural food before they'll take a bait anytime. Sure. The bears are very, very smart.
2: Right. They sure are.
3: They are just not, they're not, they're not easy to hunt. You they, don't get
0: to be 735 pounds by have, being dumb. Yeah,
3: you're right. They have a great nose on them. Their hearing is good. Everybody says, oh, they can't see. Oh, well, they can see, but they rely mainly on their ears and nose. Sure. And uh, it it does, it does make it difficult. Um, I like guess Tom and I have hunted many times together. I've had him in a stand with us. I've been in his <laughs> sitting in the same trees watching these bears. Um, it's one of the fun things that I like to do. I like watching them. I've had up to 12, 13. Here's another one with yep, Tom here. Another one with to Tom there. I've uh, had twelve, thirteen bears at the bait at one time. Wow. And when that happens. Those were the good old days. Those were the good old days, yeah. But that's back when you didn't really, and at that point, you don't have sow with cubs either. Right. These are all different individual bears. Solid cubs will kind of keep the other bears away Or if it gets too overrun with other bears, she'll get, Mama will take the cubs with her. Um, Had cubs climb up my tree, had Mama climb up the tree. Uh, Had a big bear climb up a tree once with Tom sitting there with me and I kind of reach over in my pocket, and he's, he's looking, thinking I'm pulling out a handgun, mm-hmm. and I pull out my camera and reach over and take a picture <laughs> of the bear sniffing his boots. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a big bear.
2: This was in Wisconsin, and we had, I don't know, three or four bear out there, and yeah. all of them were old, close to 300 pounds, yeah. and they were big bears. And I'm like, wow. But Dave was waiting for a particular bear that he had seen, and I had not. And uh, if you don't mind, I'll take the story from here. Sure, go You're ahead. We're sitting in there, and I'm, like, thinking, take that bear. Oh, that's a nice bear. And he says, that's not the one. He was demonstrating much more patience than I would have. And so it was getting dark. And back then, uh, for those of you that remember tracker strings, which was a string that you would attach to your arrow, and they would come out of a cylinder, and you hit the bear, and the bear would run off, and the string would come out. It would, be, it would make tracking easier. Um, it was always iffy attaching a string to an arrow, uh, as I learned once. that Mine got hung up on the inside of the cylinder, and the arrow went down into the dirt. But at any rate, he was rolling up the tracker string on his arrow, putting his arrow in the quiver, and both of us, our eyes just were like silver dollars.
3: Well, I'll never Here
2: come that. that bear, and he looked like an Angus. How?
3: And Tom, was so Tom loose. looks, yeah. Tom looks at me and he goes, "Oh my God!" Right out loud. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> While it was getting dark, anyway, Dave was trying to he was thinking and trying to untr- untwirl his tracker strength at the same time, and he just said, "Nah, it's just too dark." Yep. And uh, that bear wound up being the state record in the state of Wisconsin.
0: So, Dave, if, it, if you, if I'm a guy that's just getting into bear hunting, and I'm going to go out with you, how do you teach me the like? How do you teach me the ropes? How do you walk me through? This is how you bear hunt.
3: Well, first thing you have to do in Minnesota mm-hmm. and Wisconsin, both, but Minnesota is what I'm going to go for here, is you have to apply for the bear license in certain areas of the state. And there's a certain time of the year that you have to apply by, and during that time, um, then there's also another area that's a no quota area where you can buy the license over the counter, and you have to hunt the area that's just no quota. You can't hunt any of the drawing areas. And there's but probably separated a,
2: out in zones. Yep. Right. So
0: you probably just go to like the DNR website, and you can see
2: right, right. the zones right. there. Right.
3: Yep. You go right to the website, and you can see where you want to go. Um, research it. You know, you may have a piece of land that you know somebody owns or you own it, um, but you'd probably be surprised as how much of this land actually does have bears on it. You just don't realize it until you start hunting them. Yeah. Um, once I started hunting them, I realized just about every woods I walked in, I saw a bear sign. Wow. So it was kind of interesting as I got more experienced in it. And once you if you've drawn a license in that no area, you can go through an outfitter. If you don't have any land or public land or you don't want to try to search out your own spot, outfitter is a good way to go. Sure. Um, they will bait the bear for you. You can pay them for the hunt. I, a lot of the hunts are five to six days. Um, it's a great way to go. Uh,
2: I haven't done it myself yet, but uh, Manitoba, I like Manitoba. Yep. You can shoot two bears right and manitoba is real famous for color phase but that's I would say that's more brown beer though right than black bear up there
3: you got both you got a lot of you got browns blacks blondes you got a lot of different cinnamon colors different variety up there but if you're here in minnesota um you know once you figure out if you're going to do it yourself or whatever um that's when the work starts yeah and it's not a put a little pile of bait out there and throw a stand in a tree to, and, and throw a stand in a tree and go sit there and shoot a bear. It's not going to happen that way. If it does, you're a very lucky person. Right. Um, but most of the time the season runs from the first day of September till around the 12th to the 16th of October. So you have a lot of time. Six weeks. Yeah. Six weeks. yeah. And a lot of times, I don't know what it is. Uh, you don't get one until the end. Okay, you know you might be able to get them in the first part they they're they're easier to come to bait um but then, after a few days, they learn real soon.
2: yeah, the young curious ones like to get in there first <clears throat> yeah
3: the little ones they're the smaller bears and if you're after any trophy bear it it becomes a real hunt. You have to try to outthink them um, again, it's their nose that's very good um and so you know it's it's. All you want to put into it, I will say this, it takes time. It's not an easy thing to do if you want to do it on your own. And uh, you will travel back and forth baiting. You will spend a lot of time at it um, to do it properly.
0: Yeah, so and, it's like every day you're out there laying bait? Um, there I, we don't, have the, uh... I don't
3: do it every day. I try to do it um, like we used to do it on Saturday mornings. We'd start baiting Saturday morning at daylight and bait until we were done, of course, on Saturday. And we'd do the same thing usually on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, if we had a very active bait, I might do it three times in a week. If I had a super active bait, which I have had, I'd have to bait it every day, which I don't like doing because that gets them too acclimated to you being there. Yeah. It's like they know, okay, he's here, he's dropping off bait, we give him a little time, we got it. Yeah, you know, right. They, they learn. They're, they're, like I say, they're not stupid. Um,
2: <laughs> Danny uh, just had on the screen the Minnesota map, Yeah, and you can see that black area is the area where you have to apply for a bear. Those are the various bear zones. But in the green area where there are bear also, that's the no-quota zone. Like right where we are right now, there's a no-quota zone. And probably, well, you can see they're up towards Hinkley and. um, International. If you're going to do it on public land, it's kind of you have to compete with other hunters. If you've got private land, you know a farmer, and I know Shane that you have a piece of property up by Cloquet. Yeah,
0: Stony Brook. Township. It's uh,
2: tough to get into. Very tough. But I guarantee you, there's plenty of bear right there. Plenty of bear.
1: It looks like baiting can start Friday, August 14th of this year, and it looks like they're going to be issuing more information on April 9th. Yeah, good yeah
2: you know. that's always, true. Yep. The baiting starts two weeks before the actual season opens up.
0: Now, Dave, you mentioned before the term sign, and if you're a hunter, we know what that is. Mm-hmm. But for the layperson that's listening to the podcast, what exactly does that mean?
3: Well, you see, as you're walking through the woods, you'll see cherry trees pulled over. And I look at that a lot because I see these trees bent over, and I walk over there, and here you can see the paw marks ripping on the tree. You can see where they bent them over, broke them off sometimes. You can see how they ripped the leaves off to get the cherries off. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also, bears also do like bucks do. They have rubbing posts. Okay. Um, They have trees that they'll just climb on and just scratch, just like a buck rubs on a tree. The bears will mark their territory also. Yep. And uh, this big one I did shoot, um, he actually marked a telephone pole. Wow. And the gentleman that had the cabin up the road was so happy that I shot that bear because he was getting more and more scared every year because that rub kept getting taller and taller on the telephone pole. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. And so I'm sure yeah.
0: every time we tried to mark a tree, it would just fall over. He yeah. so I mean, uh, <laughs> he,
3: yeah, he could have, <laughs> but he, uh, yeah, he had a mark line that you could actually see as you're walking through the woods. I mean, I, we knew the area he was in, but we found all this stuff too. And that's, you'll find, um, and you always see their dung all over the place, you know, uh, and I learned all about that as I got older and did more of it, um, tracks, you find tracks in mud puddles everywhere yeah everywhere
2: if you're um, looking for them you're, you're, look, if you're see looking him.
3: for a sign for bears you're going to see it yep um and and you will learn that you will um
0: yeah the more you get out there right. you kind of easier to recognize that kind yep. of thing
3: yep it's um i've thought of a couple of things here it just slipped my mind what i was going to mention too about the hunting of it um It'll come back to me, I'm sure. So is it when like, you're talking about... Bet on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thank you. <laughs> yeah,
0: so when you're hunting bear, like in a stand, is that the primary way that you hunt
3: bear? It is. I have... Um, tree stand? Tree stands, yes. Portable tree stands. Um, and I have done the ground blind a couple times. That's a little more hairy. Uh, sure. A little scarier. Yeah. Um, a bear can come into a bait sounded like a freight train or a ghost
4: yeah Mm -hmm. that's one
3: time you'll hear them coming for a mile away and the next time you can be looking at your bait look away for a second look back and where'd that thing come from (laughs) yeah and sometimes it's huge come up there it is and what i've noticed through my experiences is the smaller bears usually make the most noise sure the little bear or the big bear he's the ghost he yeah. just, all of a sudden, there he is. And it's it's what gets your heart going. It makes you keep doing it. And well, you there's
2: mentioned- no doubt about it. You know, you can see a 10-point buck coming in and how exciting that is. But, boy, big or small, when you see that black ghost coming in, it's like, man. Yeah. That gets your heart going. It does. Do you and remember you know that we're...
0: song uh, by Dem Yopers called The 30 Point Buck? The 30 Point <laughs> Buck. Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: I might be able to sing that word for word. That's a oh, great song. Let's not try that. <laughs> no, we're not gonna.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is we're an audition gonna. for American Idol. Dave, here's a here's a big bear.
3: Yeah, that was uh that was one I shot. That one there was the four and a quarter Jeez. that I shot. Um that was uh probably about Two to three miles from where I shot my big one.
0: Amazing. Yep. And this is again up in your your land?
3: Uh, actually no, this is state land here. Okay. Um, that's why I do have some property that I've hunted, but uh I do hunt that's in the No quota area, but I hunt the quota also and uh that's uh it's a spot that we've been baiting for
2: Many, many years. Many, many years, yes. you hunt it pretty much
3: every year? Uh, no, because I can't draw a license every year anymore. Okay. Um,
2: we used to hunt it every year. If we didn't get into the zone the quota zones, we just hunt the no quota zones. And, uh, you know, we had a fair amount of private property that we could hunt. And, we could do that.
3: But to yeah. hunt the major baits, uh um, right. in the quota zone, you know, there was years that we couldn't hunt it. Lucky enough, you know, my kids got involved in it. Um, they've all shot some nice bears also, but, uh, uh, it's just uh you know this is yeah, there's, mike. there's michael
4: yeah
0: he, well, he probably goes by mike he's a grown man
3: yeah <laughs> or michael whatever and yeah, way bigger uh, than us <laughs> uh, he uh he shot quite a few bears now and he enjoys bear hunting a lot bear hunting is one of those things you don't have to get up real early in the morning i don't do a lot of um morning hunting i do mainly who's this, this guy this That's... is my oldest son tom okay he's he's Shot quite a few bears too, Tom. Did you, you look name,
0: you look awful young there, Tom. Did you name him after
1: Tom?
3: Uh, no, I didn't. Not no. Name after Tom. <laughs> he named him
2: after him. He just ain't saying so. I honestly did. The truth just come out.
3: At the time, he was our first, who's my your first, daddy? My first child, and my wife and I are going. What are we going to name a boy? And I said, Well, let's name him Tom. We don't know anybody that name a Tom. Actually,
2: David said, Let's name him Tomcat. <laughs> What'd you say? And I, I said,
3: and all of a sudden, after we named him Tom, I have relatives that are Tom. I mean, I don't even know where I come from, but we, yeah, that's how he got his name.
0: It's like you're at the dealership and you see this truck and you yeah. get, you love it and yeah. you get on the road and now you start to see him everywhere. Everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Like but, what uh, in the world?
3: But, Subconsciously, <laughs> I think I know but that But my name kids, all, that's another generation of bear hunting and uh, deer hunting and everything else. And they have all picked up on it. Um, now I got grandkids getting into it. It's great.
2: I you know, Shane, we've uh, spent a lot of time on bear hunting. And, boy, both Dave and I certainly lived a passion of uh, bear hunting. And we have. We have wonderful one. But, you know, we've, we've done so many other things, uh, gotten into the mountains elk hunting. And like you now, we, uh, Dave and I used to go out to South Dakota and antelope hunting. My goodness, what a fun deal that was. Yes. And Shane and I have kind of picked up tradi- the tradition and we're going out there. I know you don't get out there and do that as much anymore. What other, what other states did, did you ever hunt antelope in another state?
3: Uh, no, I did not. No, yeah, just, just South Dakota. South
2: Dakota, yep.
3: Yeah.
2: That yeah. was fun, fun, fun. Yeah. Decoying them in, sitting on water holes, spotting stocking. How uh, long has it been since you hunted antelope?
3: Oh, boy. Um, ever since they started drilling oil out there, <laughs> or the, the, the ranch that I used to go to. Uh, they started drilling on and they just they're, they're disappeared pretty
2: much.
0: Yeah, so, Tom, you can talk that about given? that diminished population because yes. the last few years that we've gone out there, it has been very difficult to find yep. antelope or herds or anything.
2: And, and I was uh, – Shane and I went out last fall and the fall before, and the fall before I was actually pleasantly surprised that we were seeing any antelope because, like, when Dave and I used to go out to – this is the northwest – corner of South Dakota and my goodness we there was a lot of antelope to be seen and uh, we certainly uh, harvested a few but uh, they would have bad winters and that they would have the blue tongue blue tongue the diseases that would and kill that, them, like kind of not the tails out there oh yeah also. chronic knock knock wasting down disease the pro- right yeah that knocked down the population quite a bit and um I don't see any reason why this year shouldn't be pretty darn good because We did see some antelope, and, you know, he did harvest one. Um, uh, It's not like it used to be, but they they can be had, that's for sure. Sure. He
0: spends half the trip talking about how good it used to be. I'm like,
2: you're (laughs) killing me.
0: (laughs) used to be able to just close your eyes and point your bow in any direction and knock three of them down with one
3: shot. Well, I can tell you I'll try and (laughs) tell a real quick story here about antelope out there. It wasn't with Tom TK, but it was with a friend of ours, Brian Wheeler, or Wheels. Um, We, him and I drove out and we were doing the spot and stock. And there was antelope and we were seeing them. And we've always, two guys, you decoy you pop the decoy up, the guy behind tip over, shoot the thing, or try. And He, we're trying this, and every time we popped the decoy up, they'd run away. And we're going.
0: Sounds like that big buck on that decoy we had behind the blind that day. going,
3: what's going on here? You know, that's not supposed to happen that way. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we go back to the hotel that night, and we had met this guy with his two young kids, a gal and a guy, or daughter and son, and they'd killed two that day. And I said, how are you doing it? He saw, we just put up a blind and put a decoy out, and they run to the decoy. I go, really? And he says, yeah. So I have a friend that lives in Rapid City. I called him up. I says, hey, you got an antelope decoy? He says, no, I'll call my dad. His dad, no, I don't, but I got a 3D archery target. So he took and cut the That's- horns. It was a buck. He cut the horns off of It took white shoe polish, made a dough out of it. I went down and picked it up in Rapid City, and... Came back, and I says, "We well, got a ground blind? He says, nope. So we stopped at Pomida and bought a pup tent. And, <laughs> and if anybody knows what a pup tent is, a two-man pup tent is what we put out. And it didn't have any holes for shooting out of it, so we just took a knife and cut holes in it. Yeah. Cheap cheap little bind. Cut the floor out of it because it made too much noise. And that night, or that late afternoon, we went out and knew where we wanted to be, put that pup tent out there, put our decoy in the tent, got up in the dark, went out there in the morning, Put that decoy out. At least a mile away, I'm glassing this antelope, and it's looking right at us. Yeah. And I said, Wheels, there's one. It's looking right at us. I said, No, it's running at us. And this thing run all the way down. We'd flip the nickel. And they run fast. And they do. And he's sitting on the ground, and he's, well, let me know when it's getting close. I said, Well, it's at about 400 yards. You better hurry up. Yeah. And we had flipped the coin. He won the shot. Sure. And thing runs up, stops 20 yards from the decoy, and he shoots it. And I'm going, well, that worked easy. Well, I had another three days, never happened again for us, but oh. it worked for him. And the other couple at the hotel, they'd got one more and they were done. So you never know how it's going to work, how they're going to react out there uh, or what's going to work for you. It's something that I know worked after all. So we did that. Um, I've also got a kind of a brainy idea to try with antelope hunting. And, uh, a friend of mine, Goose Hunts, and he made a cow's figure out of a sheet of plywood, walked behind it, and walked down by Rochester, Minnesota, walked right out in the field with these geese and shot geese. I said, well, I bet you that'd work with antelope because the antelope are out there. Yeah. And the cattle are right there. Yeah, they don't get scared by the yeah. cattle. So I went and rented a cow costume. I went to a costume place. and says you got a call, like costume. a Halloween costume. Halloween costume. Oh, that is funny. With the head and the whole works. Yeah. So I rented it. Did you have udders? <laughs> no, no udders. <laughs> <utters. laughs> but we you go had out one udder. We like go out slapping there. your buddy's hands away, like get away from! No, and there's no milk in there. We're talking about this all the way out. And he, and everybody goes, I think it's going to work. I said, we got to try it. Yeah, but, you do. And so we get out there and. Again, it was wheels that was with me, and he goes, um, I can't do this. I said, what do you mean you can't do it? He goes, what if we put this thing on, we start walking, and there's a bull out there, and that bull thinks we're cute. <laughs> <laughs> I says, well, I'll let you have the back so you can get out and get the shot, and he says, well, if this bull comes running up, what are we going to do? I says, well, I know what I'm going to do, but you better brace yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Anyhow, he was so scared he wouldn't try it so i kind of tried it by dragging it out there but then i had to try to get it off in order to get a shot it didn't work but i think it would have had we done it the proper way well, we so tom
0: uh, i was say him, t- no no you you have to t- <laughs> so tom had this brilliant idea before we went out last year and he actually brought it up the previous year that he had heard about it from somebody or whatever for this antelope hunting and And uh, we didn't really put any time into it. But then he was talking about it all last spring. And so I said, fine. So I jumped online. So go ahead. So you bought the
2: uh, Montana decoy. Yeah, but the other thing. What is the other thing? Oh, yeah, they make these. uh, And I wish I would have had one on a number of times. There's a guy that we had up at the Bowfest who sells uh, styrofoam or foam rubber heads. Like an antelope head, like a deer head, a turkey, whatever you know elk, yep, um, mule deer, and this is obviously something you have to be very, very careful with. you don't want to be out there in the firearm season on public land with an antelope or a mule deer or a deer head on your head to get shot. This is obviously something that requires a little bit of common sense and uh but i I'm going to purchase one of those, or we did purchase we one have of one. Those. Yes. and uh, it's, a we... it's, it's a hat. It's a hat. It's a buck head hat. Yeah. And so, you know, how many times have we been sneaking up a rise, and you peek your head over, and they look at you, and bingo, they're gone? Mm-hmm. Well, if you peek over that rise with a antelope head on your head, I love the idea.
0: So he's telling me about this last spring, yeah. and my first reaction is bullshit. <laughs> no way. <laughs> And he says, no, you've got to see this thing. So I jump online and hit the old interweb and pull up a video of this guy. Gets out of his truck on the side of the road. There's a herd of antelope down this little crest out into this middle of this field. And there's a barbed wire fence. He puts this thing on his head when he's in the truck and his buddy's filming it. Gets out of the truck and he walks right up to the fence line. And the antelopes see him, obviously. And they don't spook. They're just staring at him. And he climbs over the fence with this thing on his head, like clumsy human climbing over the fence. And they, they just can keep see watching him climbing him. and everything. Yeah, and they just watch him. And then he starts to crest this hill, and he gets down on his hands and knees, and he just starts crawling out there like he's an antelope. And they literally just sit there and watch him. They
2: don't spook. <laughs> and he got all the way down. He there didn't. Here we go.
0: Yeah. Uh, see if we can see. No, I don't
2: know that this is the same company,
0: but. Um, decoy hats what we're looking for antelope decoy hat these they're look gonna, like more more like <laughs> antelope,
2: pull antelope decoy hat. sort of thing
0: yeah I'll, when she pulls it up we'll i'll point it out to you so anyway so this guy doesn't have a weapon on him he's just testing this thing out product testing it and he got all the way down to for sure less than 100 yards yeah. and the antelope never spooked and he had this thing on his head
2: and he uh, was walking yeah
0: here we calling. go there they are so the one we bought's the one on the far left
3: okay
0: the be the decoy hat there it's also the fourth one from the left. That one there, yep.
2: Thank you, Danny. That's cool that you bring that up that fast. Yeah, it's it, the greatest cool. thing ever.
0: It, it is. literally is just a hat. You just put it on. It comes with a little chin strap, yep. like a helmet. Bada
1: bing. Hey, will you take selfies when you're wearing this?
2: Uh, Tom can. <laughs> <laughs> I think I see a gentleman on Hold the ground. Hold on. Can you go back to that, Danny? I think Danny? I saw a gentleman on the ground. Uh, th- th- fourth Second row down, row. third right from the left. Arrow, right down one more. Right there.
0: So that's a guy who's knocked, clearly knocked a buck down wearing wearing it.
2: this hat. Here's another one. <laughs> see, I, I can that. see crawling along the ground and coming up over a rise. But I'd Look be at hard all these pressed. people that have killed well, bucks know, with this hat on.
3: I just don't.
2: I thought it was like the dumbest
0: 130 bucks or 150 bucks or whatever I spent. Yeah. And then I saw this video and I was
2: like, that's Andy, wild. Danny, can you stop, come back down a little bit? Come back down to the right. There, second pitcher from the left. There's what we're going to get next year. We're going to attach those to our bow. Do you see what I'm looking at? Top line, second from the left. That one. There you go. Those attached to your okay. bow. Yep. Yep.
3: Ah.
2: I've seen some videos. I love that concept.
3: That's interesting.
2: I, yeah. Strap it right to your bow and pull back. and. Yeah. And that way you don't have someone, you can do it by yourself. And if you remember to move your sight, if you've got an H&H, uh, HH and sight, the one pin, Yeah. then you won't hit them right between the eyes.
3: Yeah, well, that's because somebody tells you the wrong yardage and doesn't tell you that they're walking at you
4: <laughs> when we're,
3: we're spotting stock. And... I, think,
2: I think there's still an antelope running around the prairies of South Dakota with an arrow <laughs> coming.
3: No, actually our but my buddy's dad shot that one with a rifle oh, two weeks later. Yeah. It, it sounds like there's there. a story
0: here though, gentlemen.
3: Well, we were spotting and stocking an antelope and, and uh Tom was well, I think it was Tom it was in behind the decoy.
2: I don't think I was with you. I think, I think it was Will. It was John. John yeah. John.
3: or put my buddy out there. Anyhow, we we are uh, spotting this and stalking this antelope and he's ranging through the finger hole of the decoy and he tells me it's at 40 yards well I roll my sight to 40 yards he says are you ready I says yep he tips over I was at full draw I drew back put it right in his chest and stuck him right between the eyes (laughs) did you
0: get penetration on the skull
3: all the way through arrow sticking out evenly I couldn't have measured it any better front and back And the antelope turned and ran away.
2: What? I think what it did is it folded up the skin. It obviously didn't go through the skull. It would have dropped them. It folded up the skin. You know, push the skin. Yeah. And just literally kind of went out both sides.
3: But, and this thing ran. And both John and I. think it would have
2: knocked them out. Oh, yeah.
3: It didn't even buckle them. John and I looked and what just happened? I (laughs) said, I don't know. I says, you told me 40 yards. Oh, yeah, but it was walking at us. Oh, oh, boy. Okay. Well, there goes your yardage. Yeah. So this antelope runs away, and I went and looked for it all afternoon. I had figured it had to die. I mean, it's wide Probably open Probably no prairie. blood trail at that point. No, wide open prairie. I got to find it. Yeah. I never found it. Wow. And uh, a week later, the rifle season opened up, and they went back to that same ranch, and his father shot it. It had broken the front part of it off, but the backside was still in the wow. skull. So they had it mounted that way. I wish I had a picture of it. I, don't <laughs> I have, wish you had I had a picture I, I, of I it, I don't too. have the picture, but they had it mounted that way. They sent me the picture uh, of it. I don't know whatever happened to it, but they sent me a picture of it a week later.
0: Well, I will say um, as sort of like an interjection here to this part of your story— It's important for those folks that are amateur hunters to understand that every species, regardless of whether it's bear or deer or antelope or whatever, has a heightened sense or two, and these are the senses that they rely on for their survival. And so with antelope, it's really kind of a two-part deal what I've learned in my limited experience. One, obviously, is their vision. And so with an antelope, what an antelope sees with their naked eye would be like a human looking through binoculars. They can see very. F- they can see very far away.
3: I think, if I'm not mistaken, and I shouldn't maybe say this, but I think they can see fifty times, and that's five o times better than a human.
0: It's amazing to me.
2: Yeah, I've yeah. heard some like yeah. fifty, forty times better. Yeah.
0: And we, when we were out, um, just sort of like get checking out the landscape because where we have hunted antelope, and you're familiar with the area. Yes. They have quite a bit of acreage. I mean, probably a hundred thousand acres. Right. So we were kind of like going out and doing a little scouting the mm-hmm. first day that we were there and then you'd see a herd and they would be a thousand yards. I mean, they would be a mile away and literally. they would see you from there and oh, just yeah. kind of look at you like you're standing <laughs> right next to them. Yeah. Most amazing thing. I've so the,
2: told many people the story about sneaking on a herd of antelope that are literally a mile away and you sneaking up a rise and you come up behind a clump of sagebrush yeah. and you think you're safe and you peek around the corner of that sagebrush and you got a dozen eyes just turn and look at you. Yeah. And you go, what are they looking at? And it, it took me a while. I just wouldn't believe they were seeing me. And it took me a while to believe that, yeah, they're seeing you. A mile, could be two miles away. They're from another planet, I think. Yeah, we get got some Fun great antelope
0: hunt. stories we could share. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I was going to mention, Dave, and, and you can speak to this, is just how fast they are.
2: Oh, they're fast.
0: I yeah. mean, they probably run 30, 40 miles an hour. Yeah,
2: 40 is top speed.
3: I don't know exactly the speed, but I know that they're fast. How
0: fast I, can a North American antelope run there, Danny?
2: Uh, I'm going to wager 40.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's impressive watching them in the times that we've been out there in the prairie because yeah. you can see forever out there. Yes. Watching them crest a horizon, and it's almost like you can't turn your head that fast. Boy,
2: they're fun to hunt, aren't they? Yeah. They are fun. Every species we hunt is just yep. so much fun in a yep. different way. Like, yep. I'm looking at a bunch of turkeys and... Turkey season. I think he's out. talking about us here, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, these long winters that we have in Minnesota, what a great thing it is to get out in the spring. Oh, and... my God. Oh, I think uh-uh. she found it. Sounds like she found <laughs> I'm
1: it. I'm
3: going to guess 60.
2: 61. 61 yep. miles an hour. That's insane. And these what things are thinking? like,
0: they're basically like medium-sized dogs. Yes. Yeah. You know, they're not like huge a, animals.
3: A large one is 100 pounds. Oh right. Yeah.
2: Some I think are 40 top, miles that's an hour. That's top speed. Dogs run yeah, like 35 speed. miles an hour. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, and it's... forty, sixty-one. 61, wow. Watching yeah. them run across these, you know, prairies, Yep. it's real obvious that they're pretty fast. And yeah. we
3: talked about eyesight. Yeah. I know you were with on this one, and I was stocking one that was up on a on a knob off, and there was a drainage ditch, river, old riverbed, and I went that riverbed, and I got right up to where that antelope was standing on a little point I was below ground eight ten feet and I climbed up this edge and this to get a peek to take a peek and the antelope was facing directly away from me and I thought this is gonna be easy I can get up on the edge draw back wait for that antelope to turn and I can shoot I popped up off the top of that thing, and that antelope ran straight away from me. I think they can see out their tail too. <laughs> well,
0: if you look at them real close, you know, a photo of yeah. their yep. the structure of their head, they their eyes are directly behind them. Yeah, their eyes are spaced out real wide.
3: Their peripheral vision goes back. Yeah, it's yep. not like ours. It's out to the side. Theirs goes direct. They go back. I forget what angle it is, but their does go back.
0: Well, I don't know a lot about antelope, but the one thing I can say is they are delicious. Oh, they're great to eat. Oh, boy. And I was going
3: to comment. That's one of the things I was going to say about antelope hunting, too. Very important after you've harvested one to get the hide off it immediately. Immediately. And cool the meat down. Yes. Because it will spoil because it's usually in August when you're hunting them. It's warm. Right. And if you don't get the hide off, it, they do get a really strong sagey taste to them. I kind of like sage, it doesn't bother me a lot, but
0: the it's a big part of their diet, obviously, right.
3: and they will spoil fast. Yeah, if you don't, yeah. and people that tell me they don't like antelope, it's probably because they're eating spoiled meat, exactly. Yeah, and, uh, you know,
2: not taking care of it properly.
3: One thing I've always done is properly take care of meat, it's very important if you're hunting, it's part of it mm-hmm. is to manage your processing as fast as you can yeah i'm talking about antelope now bear again is another very very important thing to get the hide off right away because they're like a pig they're fat yeah they don't cool like deer from both sides they cool interior and you gotta get that hide off it's it's a winter coat i mean all the time and you have to do that or you get spoiled meat and My mother was always proud of me. She said if Dave was to go out and get something to eat or hunt, always process it immediately, and we never had any spoiled meat. Um, And my mom, like she said, it was one thing that she was so proud of that I learned by hunting with my father and grandfather and everything, you had to take care of the the product once it was harvested good
2: advice for any hunter
3: it is very good advice and i wanted that was one of the things i was trying to remember back during the bear hunting thing yeah it's about taking care of the product uh, taking care of the meat
0: one of the first nuggets of wisdom that because i've you know tom has taught me a lot about hunting in this you know brief four or five years we've been hunting together um one of the first things he taught me was to making sure that regardless of the animal whatever it is that the number one mistake that hunters make and people complaining about gamey flavor, the term gamey, yes. is because they're not getting that hide off and letting that meat cool as quickly as possible. That's yeah, true. They leave yep. that hide on the carcass for a day or whatever, and, and that's what causes that gamey flavor. So that's one of the things that we focused on. Now, I was going to ask you, because you know, we've been focused on bear here, and obviously we're going to shift gears a little bit as we move along through the right. podcast. But um, with bear, we were having a conversation about proper preparation of the meat when you cook it. Because bears are real um commonly known to have trigonosis, yes, and so Tom said that when they had their restaurant, you know their five star steak restaurant, that they could cook bear at medium or medium rare or whatever, and my impression was you always had to thoroughly cook the bear, so kind of where are you at with that
3: i i don't you don't have to thoroughly cook it okay it's 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 pork, sure yep it, it's pork, one forty it's done, okay that's the temperature that I remember. Uh, I've cooked a lot of it. Yeah. Um, I can imagine and, you have. And 140 is a done product. Mm-hmm. If if you want it done a little more, sure you can, um, you lose some of the flavor. Yeah. It gets a lot drier. Not quite as tender. And I, I was just going to say, and it's going to be tougher. Yeah. And it, it does make a difference on how it's prepared. If people, if you're feeding to someone that they're going to like it or not. Yeah. You know, um.
0: I when my, you when you um when you're processing a bear, is that the, the uh, portioning the same like you backstraps and tenderloins and roasts
3: and like it it pretty much is it's just that you the process is a lot different or harder than a deer actually because you've got so much
2: fat. You get a, it it takes a you a lot longer. Yep. Sure,
3: but again, uh,
2: same cuts of meat.
3: It, it's pretty much the same cut of meat. Yes, it is, and you you got a lot more trimming to do to get to the meat and to make sure that
2: it's edible. And yeah. Boy, is it edible. I love, yeah. love bear meat.
0: I... I'm going to stop you right there, boys, because I want to hear all about this. I am so intrigued as a guy that's hunted bear his whole life, you know, 100 years, and uh, <laughs> as a guy that owned a five-star steak restaurant where they served bear on the menu, I want to hear all about your favorite preparations. But... Before we get to that, we've got to take a little break so we can keep the lights on. So, folks, stick around with Boots and Backstraps. Right after this break, we will be talking about preparation for uh, animals in general, but bear especially we'll start with after this. Boots and Backstraps is proudly brought to you by Homes by Shane. Making your move with the Homes by Shane team means an unparalleled customer service experience. That level of service is the foundation of this Remax results referral-based business. Our driven team of experts communicate with their clients every step of the way, ensuring a memorable experience from the first conversation through your closing day. Go to homesbyshane.com for more information. Let's get you home. If you would like to sponsor the Boots and Backstraps podcast or you have an interest in joining our team, send us an email to bootsandbackstrapspodcast at gmail.com. All right, welcome back to Boots and Backstraps. I'm uh, very excited uh, to get right back into our topic of discussion here. We've been talking a lot about, we started with some deer, and then we went kind of into into bear, spent a lot of time in bear, and then we went to antelope. But I want to get into meat prep. I know that both of you have done a lot in the way of cooking these animals once you harvest them and process them and that kind of thing. So why don't we start with you, Dave, when you have a bear and you – get the roast or the backstrap or whatever. What's your favorite way to prepare the meat?
3: One of my favorite ways is I like to barbecue everything. Yes. Uh, I've had a neighbor ask me a couple of times, hey, Dave, you got a stove in your house? Because I'm barbecuing even in the winter. <laughs> um, but I, one of my favorites, and it's so simple, is Coca-Cola and soy sauce and just chunk it up into almost finger-sized food. And let it marinate, and throw it on your grill.
2: It's okay.
3: fabulous. Um, I've served bear that way, deer that way, uh, antelope, everything. It's one of my favorite and easiest ways to cook something.
1: What um, would you say the ratio? Like, how much would you put in of each?
3: It wasn't a. Uh, the ratio wasn't anything <laughs> measured or anything. Of course, it was just uh, depending upon how much meat I had, and I used like to use a gallon freezer bags because you can seal them and shake them up and let it sit there. Oh, yeah. But I would take, uh, say, like a couple pounds of meat, throw it in there and sprinkle well, you know, in a, the meat so- with a soy bottle. bottle, you know, maybe an inch or two out of the soy bottle and then one can of Coke. If it didn't cover it, maybe a little more Coke. Yeah. And just let it sit overnight. And uh, I've never had anybody not like it. I've been to many different wild game parties and Dinners and stuff, and where everybody's cooking up whatever they got. And uh, I've always, the bear meat is the one that people. Oh, I can't eat bear meat. I don't like your
2: bear meat. More for me. That's <laughs> what I look at it. It's more for
3: me, and I'm taking it home if you don't eat it. And right. uh, the next thing you know, um, I got a lineup. I did it at the gun club that I shoot at, and uh, every oh, I can't eat bear meat. Well, pretty soon I had a lineup. I didn't get any of it. Wow! Sure. They, there was people said, "Have you tried that bear meat that Dave's got over there?" And everybody would come back and line it up, and pretty soon they're back for more and more and more. Yeah, amazing. That's, That's cool. my one of my favorite ways. Um, I don't make a lot of steaks out of the bear. Okay, I do more roast, sure. and I love crockpot and roast. Oh, it's, who it's as simple as you know, you put a little beef broth in it or chicken broth, whatever you prefer. Um, and your and beer means
0: higher, than higher in fat content anyway, right?
3: Yes, yes. And you just put in your carrots and your celery and your potatoes and let it sit there for the day. You come home, your meal is ready to go, and it's good. Um, when the kids were little, uh, we had one bear, one deer, maybe two if I shot one in Wisconsin. That's what they ate. Um, and then as we got older, the kids got older, they did their own hunting. My family survived on three deer and three bear. I thought I'd give them a little surprise one day and feed them some beef. <laughs> About ribeye steaks. Sure. Cooked Which them, is a nice cut. Cooked them on the grill. Yeah. Beautiful. Put them on their plate, and they taste it. And they said, Dad, what's this?
4: <laughs>
3: I says, well, that's beef, and it's ribeye steak. Yeah. Can we have a bear steak? Wow. They didn't like it. Yeah, you got them programmed. So I had them programmed into it, and they're still that way. Um, the kids... Uh, even my daughter, uh, bear meat's number one antelope's number two, and then we'll take venison. You know, it's interesting. We, um, we've got four young kids in our,
0: in our house, my wife and I, and we have been trying to introduce that wild game thing to them and they all love it. Mm -hmm. And just get them hooked on the wild game when they're young, because you can harvest a bear and a deer and an antelope and an elk and like those kinds of things. Elk is still my favorite. Just the flavor of that elk meat's unbelievable, but
3: it is. It's good.
2: Elk meat is, it's
3: good. The other thing I can honestly say is, when I was younger, growing up in my family with my parents cooking it for me, sure, they always overcooked it. Okay, and that is one reason that people don't like game, wild game either. They cooked it like it was liver and cooked it till the death was cooked out of it. I mean, it was so dry, you might as well have been eating cardboard. If you go past medium, we're not friends anymore. Well, medium rare, medium's okay, but medium rare, it doesn't hurt you yeah and then, mediums
0: the compromise for those people yeah. that like the shoe leather yes like i'll give you medium but that's as far as i'm going that's right
3: it. <laughs> i mean if, if you don't eat it medium rare you're not gonna like it i don't i mean uh, i don't know a lot of people that do eat wild game in my house or anybody that i know that i've served it to now any more than medium rare tk
2: Absolutely. i'd love to touch on that you know you're talking about a conversation. I'd love to eat on had. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish we had some. Either. We had that very same discussion. I don't know, a week or two ago, uh, about in the old days people overcooking their wild game. Yeah, they thought they had to do it because it was wild game, and they had to make it purified and they. It's from it another up. planet, Tom. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, now people know better, and you know I want to touch on that recipe, that Coca-Cola recipe. What a great recipe. I used to do that same very Coke thing. Coke and soy sauce, huh? Coke and soy Coca-Cola, sauce. Coca-Cola, but you
0: got to use a good soy sauce. You get sauce. the sweet and the salty together. Yeah. You do.
3: And the Coke, I think, actually tenderizes. Oh. Absolutely.
2: That's it the it deal breaks it with down.
3: Coca-Cola.
0: It's so funny to me and you see all these people online, like the younger generation, obviously the ones that maybe are a little bit intellectually challenged, and they, they they have these videos where they show, look what Coca Cola does to an egg, or look what it does to a penny, or look what it does. And I'm like, do you know what's in your stomach right now? It's called hydrochloric acid. Yeah. Way stronger than what Coke. What it does to battery
2: posts. Right. Um, clean your battery like What's
0: in your body already is way stronger than Coke. So quit it with the
4: Coke. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. So that's where that all came from. Coca Cola and its many uses. It does break down. It marinates. It tenderizes. Uh, whatever meat you're marinating it in. And I used to take that a little bit one step different. I used to buy cherry Coke mm-hmm. okay, and add marinated in cherry Coke. And then sure. it got a little sweetness along with the kikkoman soy sauce. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to buy La Choy. <laughs> okay. All
4: right.
3: Well, a I'll, soy I'll sauce a, knob. <laughs> yeah, I'll throw a little more in there because I have family members that are gluten-free. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Gluten-free so, house. So Coca-Cola you can't use. So I use 7-Up, Sprite, any of that also. Okay. That it, does the job too, It huh? still does the job. It, oh. does, it gives it actually maybe even a little sweeter flavor. Um, I, again, never had any problems. And every once in a while I'll just spice it up a little bit. I might put some spicy mustard in there sure. or, or uh, some Worcestershire sauce or Worcestershire, something. yeah. Yep. You know, and just to change it a little bit, but most of the time... If I'm going someplace where I know that I can serve it, it's Coca-Cola and soy sauce.
2: Yep. And I'll expand. Uh, you were. I know where you were going with your questions. At the restaurant, Yeah. when we served Wild Game, and I know we've touched on this in the past. That was your uh, niche, the Wild Game. Yeah. Uh, our restaurant was a steakhouse. We featured a different Wild Game every week, fresh seafood on the weekends, so on and so forth. But our wild game, when anyone ordered the wild game, they they always had questions. They were very inquisitive because we served everything from rabbit to bison to elk. I mean, bison. You had wild boar. Wild boar. You name it. Uh, Red deer. And they always had questions. And I said, well, you have to realize there are no hormones in it. They're not fatty animals. So the meat's very good for you. And we won't cook it for you past medium we order we encourage you to order it rare medium rare and if we go past medium rare forgive me what i would tell the customers is we won't go past medium rare because even medium it's going to be tough there's no marbling in it and so we'd educate the people say they'd dollars for the most part they take my word for it and i'm telling you never had anybody come back and say that wasn't some of the best meat I've ever had in Can I get medium well?
3: Do you want to wash dishes? Yeah. <laughs> no, I actually heard Tom say that, and in, in, in his defense, he also said, I can cook it past that, but. We're not going to be responsible. I'm not responsible. Yeah. You're still paying you your do check. If you don't like it, I'm sorry because you're cooking it too far. You did
0: it to yourself,
3: hey, hey, Dave. Hey, there you go. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, you know, uh, Danny, our producer, asked me a question, and we Quite a bit of this podcast. Hold on, before you get to that. Bear hunting. uh, Before
0: you get to that, because I do want to hear the story, but how did you guys prepare it at the restaurant, aside from temperature? Did you have any specific herbs or spices or anything that you like to use that were more popular maybe?
2: You know, uh, I think with pheasant, you know, we quite often did a white wine cream sauce for the pheasant. But, you know, we were famous for uh, grilling our steaks over burning hickory. Wow. And so most of our wild game uh, i'm thinking all of it even the pheasant would get marked on the uh on the wood fire grill yeah and i can't really think off the top of my head of another scenario and i'm sure we had other recipes for different wild games but we cooked most everything on the wood fire and then the sauces the marinades that were included there was a, quite a variety of those, Ugh. making me hungry. A lot, a lot, of, a
3: lot of the spices are whatever you prefer yourself. Sure, yeah, you know, um, I might like a lot of garlic, and you might not like any. You know, it, it's whatever you prefer on what when you normally eat any of your beef or pork or anything. We use a I lot mean, of garlic in my house, right? You know, I mean, I've eaten, I've taken a lot of wild boars too, and the wild boar, I do a lot of rubs. On the bore. Sure. And it's whatever you like on, on that um, personally is what you want to try. The last handful
0: of years, b- barbecue in general, the industry has really gotten wildly popular. Yep. Oh, yeah. And so you have all these outfits that are popping up all over the place that make these different spice blends. Yes.
2: Well, the way our uh, the society. The one I like, is, shameless
0: plug, is called Meat Church. They're pretty good stuff.
2: The way our society is lamb-based now with all varieties of media. I think everyone's pretty well-educated, and they all know. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a specific individual that doesn't realize wild game is better for you than processed beef or chicken or turkey or any of that. I think most people are aware of that now, and now there's just a flood of uh, imagination going on out there with people experimenting with different recipes or different wild game. And it's the coolest thing in the world. I watched Nick from Nick's Wild Ride, Nick Hoffman, and the different recipes they use.
0: He's getting a lot of promotion on this program, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all right. Is, yeah.
2: I think I saw a shot you of you know what? A Nick's bunch a pretty of good guy. Hunters.
0: Uh, that's what I hear. Nick's a pretty good guy. Yep.
2: Turkeys and turkey hunters. Yes.
0: Well, if we could get more people out of the drive-through boys and into the woods, that would be better. Right? It'd be a
3: lot better for them. Yeah. 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 He was Tom, to... being,
0: being in the woods, you almost didn't get out of the woods, I hear, one time.
2: <laughs> well, you know, we've spent years on bear stand, years and years and uh, hundreds and hundreds and uh, hundreds of hours seeing multi- multitudes of bears, and our producer, Danny, asked me, did you ever have a hairy situation where you had to defend yourself? And I thought about it, and there was one situation where I – I could very well have not been here. Um, Dave and I have always bear uh, archery. We bow hunted bears, always. And neither one of us ever carried a a sidearm in for protection, maybe once or twice. Well, for a
3: while you couldn't. Yeah. And uh, then they passed a law where
2: you could. Okay. And so we didn't. anyway, one particular evening I was going to one stand called the Beaver Stand. And... uh, I'm leaving that one alone, Danny <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was by a beaver uh beaver dam, and the beaver bait is what we called it. and our friend Brian, we call wheels. he was going to the field bait. anyway, we're he was unloading, and I was going to drive over to where I'm going, and we were talking about someone that in Wisconsin that got pulled out of his stand like a few days prior to, to that evening. And he woke up beneath his stand. His ankle was broken. A sow had climbed up, ran up the tree, because she had cubs, and she knew he was up there, and dragged him out. And he lived, and everything was fine, I guess. But that thought was ever present in my mind. So oh, I, yeah. I did have a sidearm in my, uh, in my vehicle. So I brought a sidearm with me that night. Do you remember what it was? Yeah, it was. It was a pistol that my father carried in World War One. Wow, um, I don't know that it's legal to hunt with, but I wasn't hunting with it. No, self defense. I was uh, just carrying it for protection. It was a uh, World War One uh, Colt Forty Five. Wow, probably worth a pretty penny at this point. Yeah, probably. Anyway, I lo and behold, a sow and two cubs came into the bait, and I just kept thinking about that guy. I got pulled out of his stand, and they. Hmm. So I reached over onto my hip and I unsnapped my holster and I pulled the gun out and I set it on the seat of my stand. I was facing the tree and the bait was behind. And I, I swear I didn't get that gun down there a minute, and that bear sent off the distress signal. The wind shifted and she caught a wind of me. One of the little cubs went down into the swamp. The other one ran straight up my tree. And you have to realize archery hunting I don't think I've ever shot a bear further than 15 yards. Typically, it's anywhere between 12 and 15 yards that you would be. You're right over the top of the bait. Yeah. So that bear saw me up in the tree, and it was like a cartoon. She was kicking up mud, and she was coming for me. I only had time to pick up the pistol and shoot straight down on my stand, which was right in front of her nose, and thank God she piled on the brakes and she kind of ran off into the woods a little bit, and she was snapping her teeth and making all kinds of racket up there. And Boo-Boo is sitting above me about four feet or three feet. And I'm looking at him, and I'm looking at him. I got a pistol in this hand. Mm-hmm. I got a bow in this hand. And I got a turd coming out the back for <laughs> a stabilizer. <laughs> and I got my eyes as big as silver dollars. And I don't know what's going to happen next. And fi- it would seem like an eternity but boo-boo shimmyed down the tree and she got or it got right at head level with me and it peeked around the tree at me and i'm like get out of here and thing oh, now get it went, and <laughs> off into the woods and i'm like oh if i hadn't pulled my pistol out it would have been a rodeo in that tree because she was going to be up in a split second and she was going to be on me and i would have been jumping off to another tree or whatever would have happened yeah it would have been ugly yes and uh so danny there you go that was the one time that i really am glad that i had a sidearm with me and who knew after all those years of hunting and never carrying a sidearm the one night that i chose to bring one thank goodness i did
0: oh. yeah you wouldn't be here
2: i uh, don't know i'd be here uh, you know i wouldn't maybe talking to an empty
0: chair Yep, yep.
2: <laughs> or maybe like I wouldn't look quite look the same. Dang. Who knows?
1: Dang. I was actually gonna ask if you always use um you know, a bow, but yes you do. Yes, well we, we do. Yeah,
3: we yep. A lot of guys use rifles and some guys
1: and, use shotguns. And
3: now it's legal to use crossbow on some yep. of them too. So yeah. <laughs> you can use Is that for you
1: all game? Like for you two in particular? No. No,
3: we use we use rifles and, and uh bows both.
2: Yeah, we but, use actually whatever gets us out in the woods, uh I know it's the same with David. We use archery. We'd use a rifle. We'd use a muzzle loader, uh, the bow, you know, whatever it is, whatever the season is, wherever we could go to keep hunting, uh, we got proficient at all of them.
3: Blow darts. (laughs) And and I'll keep keep shooting the bow until I can't pull it back anymore. And then I guess I might have to go to a crossbow, but I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't gotten quite that old yet. (laughs) But, yeah. And... Other stories about being threatened by bears. Yeah, I do tell. One of our one of our good bear hunting buddies. Yeah. In our bear camp. Uh five years ago, is it? Six maybe.
2: Are you talking about Bob what Brandon, we were talking about earlier? Uh, Brandon, yes. You know, I think it's way more than five years. I think it's around five years.
3: But five to six anyhow. He was and maybe every, some people saw Wait, it Hold already. on, we
0: gotta test him real quick. Tom, what day of the week is it?
3: <laughs> maybe Thursday. maybe some people have heard about it and stuff uh, about the guy that got mauled by the bear up in Pine county um, that was our hunting friend
2: yep so, you're a great yeah. friend. What do you know of
3: the story then Dave um I know that they were tracking a wounded bear, okay uh in the dark, which we do a lot um, didn't carry a firearm mainly because the guy that did get mauled um, pretty much wasn't afraid of bears anymore right we'd hunted them long enough and and I was I'm afraid of them but not definitely afraid of them and he was not afraid of them at all okay we've had many incidents where they stared us down they walked to us they talked to us they do a lot of different things but he didn't pretty have a desensitized firearm. he did not have a firearm with him uh, there was four uh, was him, his girlfriend, uh, the guy that shot the bear, and his girlfriend, and uh, another guy that was an EMT. They were tracking the bear and it crossed a creek. The one guy did have a gun, he didn't cross the creek, and they jumped the bear on the other side of the creek. Um, I was supposed to be there with them, which I wasn't. I was musky fishing instead, uh, but he. Uh, thought, well, I'll just kind of see where the bear went, see if I can find any blood or that kind of stuff. And, and he did tell the gentleman that shot the bear that, you know, he says, in my mind I'm sitting here running, what would Dave do? And uh, in his mind he told me when I was visiting him in the hospital that, he says, I told myself I should turn around and walk out. Yeah. But he said I didn't do that. He said, I went ahead, a lot of blood. They thought they'd track it. The other gentleman that shot the bear sat there and waited to, so he could find his way back. It was dark out. Sure. And he said the next thing he remembers, he was blindsided like a linebacker. Boom, hit him from the side, and that was a bear attack. Wow. He survived, uh, able to do some work yet, but uh, he ended up killing the bear with a four-inch pocket knife.
2: There we have it. Is this him? That's him. That's him. Yep.
3: Yep. Killed the bear. Look at
2: the size of that bear.
3: And the bear was 500 plus pounds. That's a big bear. Yep. Stood on his chest three or four times, pouncing on him, bit him in the legs, thighs, chest, Mm. uh, cheek, everything. Uh, Destroyed his left arm.
1: So, what would you tell someone to not have this happen? (laughs) I don't know. Is is it normal to track them?
3: Yeah, well, you can not have it happen by carrying a firearm, for one, which is legal now. Um, Since that's happened, we've gotten smarter, I guess you could call it. We do not track at night unless you hear a death moan. Yeah. Um, If you hear that, you know it's pretty much done.
0: And just for the folks that are inexperienced again, what is this death moan?
3: Death moan is almost a... Human scream. Okay, you will hear. Um, it's, we
2: could imitate it, but it's yeah, kind it, of.
3: It's gross. It's, it's let's not not gross. I want to sleep. It's just, I want to sleep tonight. Thanks. It's just a ah. Okay, let's say that you'll hear something out there. Yeah, um, that you you'll know, know it's, it. You'll know it's done, and then we'll go track them that night. But most of the time now, we wait till daytime. Sure.
2: And one of the it. reasons that people like to track them at night, like or not. Is what we talked about earlier about meat spoilage. Yes. With that fur coat on, you know, if you really enjoy eating bear and you want to do the honor of serving that meat to your family, you have a little bit of incentive to get that meat and get it open and get the hide off mm-hmm. so the meat doesn't spoil. And so, in people's behalf or in their defense, you know, that's one of the reasons they go after them at night. Rather than waiting till the morning.
3: And he did, and they did wait before they started tracking it to give it time to pass and all of this stuff. Uh, but it just, the situation turned real bad when he decided not to turn around. Mm-hmm. And that is one thing that I don't care if it's deer, bear, no matter what it is, if you're tracking and you jump the animal, it's time to back off. Yes. Back out of there, go back later, go back the next day, depending upon. Um, I've read a lot of different things. They say on a deer, if you jump a deer, give it eight hours. So that's the next day, as far as I'm concerned. Been an experience but like you that with an elk. Yeah, but you hate to have that happen because the meat can spoil, and that's the worst thing that can happen to a hunter. Yeah, right.
2: Yeah. It, because most For, for trophy hunters, hunters, they don't care. But
3: most, uh, I was just going to say, most hunters, though, right. are for the meat, and they don't want to see this happen. Yes. So that's why we do some of the things we do that maybe aren't the safest mm-hmm. or
2: the best I idea. I should take back what I said. Yeah. There are a lot of trophy hunters that, in fact, do love the meat and harvest the meat and are responsible. And yes, they if are. there are. I've seen a few, uh, and rephrasing it as a few, trophy hunters that don't care about the meat and just want the horns or the hide or whatever. Great,
3: right. And that happens. You know, yeah. That's in there, too, but... Um, I, I, that's why people like myself have tracked many, many bears.
1: I have a question. Um, as far as like, so like the room that you guys are sitting in our studio is Tom's great room, right? But what makes it different than like, like a trophy room? Like a, you know what I mean? Like I've had a lot of people be like, oh, I bet it's uncomfortable to be in the studio. And I was like, no, it's kind of beautiful because I know Shane and Tom are in, Incredibly, have a ton a ton of integrity for hunting, and, and honor. You know, like the game, like like you know, you harvest it. You are not just murdering. You know what I mean? You want to talk yeah, about you're not that? Just the out ethics.
3: Killing. Yep, I I I am sitting here in this Tom's room, and I've probably been with him with a lot of these animals, and absolutely, you know, it's not a trophy to us. Is not a always a great big rack, a huge bear. It's the trip that we've had, the experience we've had, the,
2: the stories. You know, if
3: you if you harvest an animal, that tops off the trip mm-hmm. or to the part yeah. of the trophy. But it it could be big or small. It's all about the trip. It's all about the hunt. It's all it's, about the camaraderie. It's the camaraderie, and... the fun, the introducing somebody else to it. That's part of a trophy also. You know, uh, we've I mean, hunted It's not so much, all about Dave. the animal.
2: We've hunted so much, and we... We were fortunate, you know, you, you don't see them all on the camera, but there's quite a bit of nice trophies over here. I mean, like that elk is not necessarily a big one, nor is that. But on the other side of the camera, you see some little doinkers that I've harvested also. We just love the experience, but through so many years in our experience, we were fortunate enough to harvest some bigger ones like we see. But that's not about. That's not what it's about for us. I look at these things, and every one of them is a memory. Who I was with, what time of year it was. Oh yeah, there's a. Yeah. All right. For instance, the six-point elk in the middle. That's a pretty decent elk. But if you see the two, uh, elk on the, each side of it, those are ones of. They're both five pointers, I think. Yeah, Other they're fives. No, this one's a six-pointer too. But they're just not that big. A de- big. And then you see up the caribou up there. That caribou is uh, actually a relatively small caribou.
0: Double shovel, though.
2: Yeah, it's got a double shovel, and it's the only caribou I ever killed, and it's the only animal I ever killed in velvet. So mm-hmm. I, it's on the wall, and I have just a wonderful memory of that. And, uh, yeah, those those are not, uh, well, they're trophies, but they're, Yep. Really memories yep. for me.
3: All of, Even as we were growing up, you know, we went hunting. Yep, It wasn't for to shoot the big buck. It was no. so we could get the meat. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, and it was still a trophy. You're not going to throw the but, head and the rack away. You're no. eating the meat, but you keep the... Right. Yeah. I mean, if it was a deer, the racks, I can't tell you how many I have stacked up. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Um, the little I mean,
2: doinkers and the does.
3: The European mounts that you get, they're great. Um, What's a European mount? That's this bear skull ones that you can see, like his elk here behind us here. Um, Those are European mounts. And they... Without the hide on them. Without the hides and stuff. um, They turn out great. And it's a way to display the animal. You're giving the animal its credit it deserves. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's still a
2: memory that we have. Absolutely. What's a doinker? I will will say this, that... (laughs) That's Tom. Tom, what's a doinker? (laughs) A doinker? Uh uh. Here we go. (laughs) Well, it's an expression that my old friend Eric Myers uses for deer that don't match up to his high standards. They're just a smaller deer, you know, a little deer, a yearling. Uh, That's what a doinker is referred to, I guess. I've heard it before. But, you know, we are, and this is the phases that you go through in hunting. When you're a kid, and I know you all are familiar with this. Um, you go out, you want to go out, and you want to kill everything. You want you're just so excited to be in the woods and the fields, and you want to kill a lot of animals and you want to fill your quota. And then you get to the stage where you're a little more selective and you calm down a little bit. You definitely want to get that animal.
0: You know, I'll add to your to your story here. You also gain a lot of experience, right? Right. You get way better at hunting bigger animals.
2: Yeah, and then when it gets our age. And I know there's a lot of people that are listening to us right now that are our age, and we just love being in the woods and seeing the animals. And if a big bugger comes along, we're going to drop them, and we're going to let the young ones grow up. And hopefully our nephews and younger hunters will have an opportunity to harvest those, and we're certainly not going to pass them up. And then well, if it and, gets and down and you to get that them, last they're day. They're part
1: right? of your doinker collection, right? If you get it and it's smaller. <laughs> yes. Add yeah. to your doinks.
2: And then uh, we've had the discussion where, well, I don't need to shoot. a you know, So we can always shoot a doe, you know, and if we just want the meat. And quite often we do just want the meat. Yes. So we like to let the little ones grow up. It's all a process. I think some people call it the five stages of hunting and other people call it the four stages of hunting. And uh, there's a driller. Yeah. Nice mule dairy just got this fall. Yep. And you were in New Mexico? New Mexico, yeah. With Tuffy? Yep. yep.
0: What took you down to uh, New Mexico? I mean, obviously on a mule deer hunt, but right. why New Mexico?
3: Um I've hunted
2: it's a nice picture. The, I hunted
3: with the outfitter before, uh, Mangus Outfitters. Sure. Super guy. Um, great. Been hunting there for 25 years.
2: I've seen okay. Tuffy on TV a number and, of times.
3: Uh, he's hunted with a lot of big shots, not me. But big shots, um, and uh, that's a nice looking muley I've, though. I, I've been down there. It was a decent mule deer. Um, it didn't have the forks on the tines, which I'd like to had. But uh, I've been down there five, six times mule deer hunting, and I've never taken an animal. And Tuffy says to me, "Are you ever going to shoot anything?" <laughs> and I says, "You know, I says I'm not getting any younger. I might." And so that's a real
2: respectable it deer. It was. It
3: was a very, very nice buck. And uh, I was happy I got him.
2: Yeah, and yep. you've got some good mule deer meat. Oh,
3: yeah, and that's one thing I never said during the processing of animals is a good, I think it's a reputable source, Mark Comiskey from the old Mark's Meats and Circle yep. Pines butchered many, 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 many deer. That's what he did. Um, and he always told me the problem that people have with deer is they think they got to let them hang to age. A white-tailed deer, a mule deer, does not have any marbling in their meat. Yep. They do not have to hang. You can sh- harvest it and butcher it the, within hours. And he said, you'll have some of the best meat. Well, I'm in New Mexico this year, and they're talking about this mule deer, and he says, oh, yeah, he says, they're terrible to eat. And I, says, wow. I, I said, I've had one before, and I didn't think it was that bad. Yeah. They said, Oh, we don't like it. So, I mean, this animal, I took it back that afternoon. I scun it, I quartered it, I deboned it. Um, I was gonna be there another five days, so I found a process a guy that could wrap it and do things and freeze it for me. Yeah. And I had it all done when I went home. I got home, the first thing I did is toss them out, invited my kids over, and we cooked it. And there are telling me it's better than whitetail
2: david huh. i like so, mule deer way better than whitetail. so
3: anyhow that was one thing that i meant to Love say it. back during the processing people hang deer and they don't have to right uh and it was a good source to me I've, i my parents always thought my dad my grandfather everybody i had to hang them to age them like beef you don't have to um some people will argue it whether it's a right thing or not i haven't done it for 30 years and I never have a problem, so um, I just assumed that the guy that told me was probably correct. Yeah, I another
2: tidbit on getting your uh, meat processed properly. Here's a nice whitetail. Yep. A Couple of nice whitetails There's the crew. Yeah, that's Dave and his it's two your, sons. That's so your that's oldest son yep. on the far that's left. That's my
3: right? oldest son, Tom, on the left. Yep. And that was. That was he, up Tom Junior.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: what did yep. Danny say? Tom Jr. Tom Jr. Tom Jr. Tom Jr., yeah. yeah. That
3: might be uh, one of his first deer he ever got. Yeah.
2: My wife and I it's lived nice up by buck. Pillager, Minnesota, and we had a little ranch up there. and It was kind of neat because it butt right into the northwest corner of Camp Ripley. Mm-hmm. And Camp Ripley, for many, many, many years, was quite the archery destination for bow hunters to harvest big bucks, and I don't think that's the case anymore. What do you think? Have you heard anything about it?
3: Yeah. Um, it's they not like, again, we can all say it's not like it used to be. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah they have. I know they have a fair amount of wolves up there.
3: They do have a lot of wolves, the way I understand. And they, it used to be, you had to wait almost to get a license. There. Right. I, I okay. actually hunted in Camp Ripley when I was 12, 13, 14 years old with a recurve. Wow. Um, and it was, you waited outside of the gate and they let a certain number of cars go in, and after that number, they'd shut the gate. And they'd open up certain areas in Camp Ripley, and it was like a bumper car racetrack to get there. <laughs> they would run over your, run into your car and all kinds of different things to try to beat you to the spot. To hunt and, deer. To hunt deer. and I know,
2: I never, I heard those stories all yeah, my life. And
3: my father actually shot, and we know that he shot and killed five different bucks in there. But we we were taught, and he was taught, that if you shot something, you gave it some time to die. Well, by the time we got there, somebody had taken the deer. What? Oh, yeah. Five different times. I hunted there five years in a row, and then I quit hunting there. Um, And so did my father. But um, then it got so popular.
0: Unbelievably unethical.
3: Yes. Then it got really popular because there's big deer, big body deer, big racks. Everybody wanted to go there. Um, and then they had to have a drawing for it. And the drawing, sometimes it took two, three, four years to get a tag. Now I understand, and I haven't applied, I haven't kept up on it closely, but I do believe that they can't even give away all the yeah. tags now because yeah. people have given up on it. because There's so many wolves in Because there. of wolves. Um, we, that's a whole different subject. I don't want to get on it because... <laughs> Because we're it good just, people and we're Christian. Well, it it we just, are. Uh, it just raises a whole bar of where we, we don't want to go,
0: and we're uh, we're up against the clock here,
2: gentlemen. Yeah, you know, so I have to tell you, I have to interject, Dave. It's been so much fun having you on the show, and you know, oh, just you. Like whether we're on a cruise, Dave was the best man in my wedding, and uh, um, whether we're just sitting at a bar having you a didn't beer, try to talk her out of it. We just have <laughs> so many wonderful, wonderful memories of uh, hunting and. And I know you've got an amazing amount of fishing stories. Um, but, you know, we've only scratched the surface yeah. of the hunting we've done. You know, we didn't talk much about elk hunting and turkey hunting. And right. Some of the other things we've done, it's just been a pleasure having you here. And, I mean, I could do this. It doesn't seem like we've been on very long. and Almost two hours. And yeah. we can just keep going and going and going. And hopefully uh, our crowd has found it interesting to hear some of our stories and, uh, and I hope certainly beneficial because you certainly, you and I both have lived the life and Shane as well now of eating that meat that we're harvesting and taking good care of it. I hope we brought that home to a lot of people mentally, you know, take care of that animal and know that you're eating the best protein on the planet and uh, it's truly a privilege to sit your family down and eat that good meat. So take care of it properly. What else have you got, Shane? Well,
0: I was just going to say to kind of go off of where you went, Tom. Just thank you, Dave. Obviously, you. for joining us in the studio, and we will most definitely have you back again. Whoop! Because I feel like we have <laughs> barely scratched the surface of your yeah. hunting experience. I, I I have taken a lot away from this in the little nuggets of knowledge that you dropped,
3: and uh, I'm looking forward to getting more. It's not all knowledge. There's a lot of. There's some luck in there too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, with anything there is, right? Right. Without All luck,
1: right. we don't have it. All right, real quick. What is, you three gentlemen, what is your favorite meat to
2: eat? My favorite meat. Man, my favorite wild game meat. Do we got to come antelope. back to it? Antelope. Antelope. I'm going to go on. I love moose meat. There's another topic we haven't even touched on. <laughs> I love, but I love... And like David said, we took, and Shane knows, because he harvested uh, an antelope with me last two falls ago. Mm-hmm. Hey, we got the hide off, got to cool. Go. I love antelope meat. Love it. How about you, Dave?
3: I've got to go with bear meat. All
2: right. I've that been, was going to be my second. Yeah, I, I knew it. <laughs> I
3: was going to say, well, if Tom says antelope, I'm going to say bear. If, if, if Tom says bear, I'm going to say antelope. We get singling because, each other. <laughs> because the two of them... Are so close to neck and neck in my family and myself yeah. that I I truthfully, though, if my kids are here, they would tell you bear meat. They have grown up on it, and they just love it. And it's because of the processing. Yeah, It's got to be done correctly. Yes. It is very, very important. Yes, it is. And bear meat is my number one.
0: So I, I have never had moose, and I have not had bear, so I can't speak to either of those. But for me, as I mentioned earlier in the show, it's definitely elk. Something about that flavor and that elk meat, and I just cannot get enough of it.
2: I think I'm going to have to take you up to Oscar's this year maybe harvest a bear. I was just We've been say, watching I, bears. Yeah. I, was just, I was just picking on Dave.
3: I'm like, you got to take me bear hunting. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oscar He's I, the bear you, whisperer over have, here. No,
3: I'm not. There's one of them on TV. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oscar but,
2: and I have been watching a couple of bears, and... He doesn't have the desire to shoot anymore, and I really don't either. Come on but now. I sure would like to eat eat <laughs> yeah. some more bear meat. Come yeah. on now! Well, that's, sign that's Shane it. up. I yeah.
3: I am getting I'm getting yelled Take at my because, the, because I haven't harvested a bear in the last couple of years. Well, come on, let's and do it. The kids are saying, "Dad, where's the bear meat?" All right, <laughs> so all right, and, we're and, doing it one and, way or another this fall. Yep, and they're busy with their families and don't get the time enough. So, you know what he'd really have enjoy, to
2: Dave, it. is growing on a. Spring bear hunt up in Canada. If they open a bear, if, excuse open me, Canada. if they open the borders. It would be fun. Oh. But
3: uh, I, again, part of the whole deal is being able to do your own thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And once you've done the bear hunting, and again, we're back on bear hunting, but if you go with an outfitter, you will learn enough, I think, in one time to where you could next time do it on your own. Yeah. And help yourself by learning um I I know we got to go, but uh short thing yeah I, go ahead I do a lot of muskie fishing okay and I thought I knew a lot about muskie fishing my father got me started I was 12 years old until one day at my work I met a guy that was a guide for muskies took me muskie fishing and this was only 10 years ago okay and All of a sudden, I'm in his boat going, I don't know anything about muskie fishing. (laughs) (laughs) This guy taught me so much that I just went, wow. In an afternoon, right? Yes. In one day, I learned more from him than I probably did in the last 30 years. Yeah, that's fantastic. And that's why you can always say you're never too old to learn. Oh, that's for sure. Well, I'm enjoying this
0: time. Not I'm certainly with you, Tom, you know, as much as we've spent together on the road and hunting mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, but just getting to meet some of your friends that are experienced hunters and I really truly am honored to be sitting on the same sofa with you. So thank you for your time tonight. Oh, thank you. I as I said before,
2: it. Shane, we got a lot of colorful <laughs> colorful guests coming up on the show.
3: Well, I'm just hoping this year I have a little luck and I could draw an elk tag in New Mexico. There yeah. you go. There we are. All right, y'all. Well, thanks for joining us again for another episode of Boots and Backstraps. Don't forget
0: to send us an email to bootsandbackstrapspodcast at com with any questions you might have about the podcast, um, about the topics that we talk about, about the guests that we've got in studio, that kind of thing. And, and, of course, we will be filtering through those and potentially drawing out some lucky listeners to come and sit in studio um, and watch an episode of the podcast. t k we've got a
2: lot of fun with- Got a lot of fun podcasts coming up in the future, folks. And yes, we do. Hey, whether you're belting out your favorite country song or you're out there pursuing your favorite game animal, I encourage you to use that same passion to pursue the Lord. He'll teach you to shoot straight. We'll see you next week. Come on now.
4: Is on.
0: Looking for a Way deep in the woods Tracking in a swamp to a hay field Under the harvest moon When the tags are filled It's time to switch up our boots Head down to the honky-tonk Get us a swing dance or two We're talking
3: about boots and back straps